Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In This Go podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Y'all know what time it is. It's the Endoscope Podcast with your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. And I got a very special guest tonight to come on my podcast to talk about bulls because, as the old Sam Cooke song will say, change has come. And yes, it has with the new hiring of, of the head coach, Billy Donovan, being the new coach of the bulls. And I got NBC Sports Chicago bulls writer to come on my show to talk about it. He's been a, he's been a member of the show before, a guest on the show before. We welcome back Rob Schaefer. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. I'm, uh, it's busy times, uh, but it's good busy. Um, like you said, change has taken hold, and you know we'll see what the uh, what the fruits of it are. Uh, you know, at some point in the future. Uh, but it's a it's a good good bit of positive momentum for the time being. So it's uh, it's good to be back with you to to break it all down. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Um, at the end of the day. Ooh, I'm getting calls. Ain't that something? Ain't nobody called on my show before. Anyways, um, just diving into the Bulls, man. Like you mentioned, you know, Bulls hired Billy Donovan. Well, I want to know your initial reaction to the hearing of that news. Like, what was your first thoughts when it came to you hearing that the Bulls made this move, especially since this move was such a far-left move that no one really expected the Bulls to make? Yeah, I, I would say I was surprised. I mean, when you just look at the um, the candidate list that uh, had been set out before us pretty much for the entire process of this search, um, the themes were longtime assistants, um, people looking to make their big break, their first break into NBA head coaching, um, and people that the Bulls could kind of build and grow along with the team um, and, you know, kind of build the program from the ground up. Um, so to see a, a really established guy um, of really high stature and Billy Donovan take the job, uh, it was definitely a surprise to me uh, initially, just seeing the, you know, the Woj tweet, the initial headline. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people felt that way. And then it was kind of confirmed that, oh, it's actually okay to feel that way. It actually was pretty sur- uh, surprising when Billy Donovan came on um, to the, the initial press conference, his introductory press conference, when he talked to uh, us in the Chicago media for the first time. I mean, he even said that when he parted ways with the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Bulls job uh, wasn't something that was on his mind. Um, he also revealed that uh, Arturis Karnaschovas was on the phone with him literally the day after um, he and the Oklahoma City Thunder parted ways. So that just tells you um, what kind of a, uh, a businessman and a negotiator and a dealmaker Arturis Karnaschovas is. Like when he sees his guy, he goes and, um, you know, uh, exhausts every avenue to get him. 
Um, so it seemed like it was out of left field to Billy Donovan as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think it's the best hire the Bulls could have made. So after that initial shock uh, wave kind of falls over you, um, there's also kind of a sense of optimism. There's a sense of, okay, there are a lot of good angles uh, to explore with this hire. So um, the surprise lasted for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, you get in work mode. And when you get in work mode and you start peeling back the layers of this thing, um, there kind of isn't, uh, there's no stone that you turn over and you think, oh, this could be a negative thing. Uh, pretty much everything that's said about Billy Donovan, everything you could break down about Billy Donovan, um, seems to seems to indicate that he aligns pretty well with where the Bulls are at right now. And that's and, and that's I feel the same way. I actually recently wrote an article about my thoughts on Billy Donovan. I thought that this hire was a much needed hire for the Bulls at this time because aside from the fact that you know he has previous co- head coaching experience, which is something the Bulls haven't done since Scott Skiles, for God's sake. That's in two thousand. That's two thousand and three. Like <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, it's know, really right? unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. to go that long hiring a hiring a coach that has previous coaching experience, the fact that he dealt with youth back in the college days and young talent in in, in the NBA, and from for me, there's two components that really made, that really stood out to me. And what this means for the Bulls. Number one was the fact that they're not looking this at looking at this current roster structure as a rebuild. They're looking at it as a retool. Mm-hmm. Like they're looking at it as in we're going to utilize this roster that we had, and we're going to add to it to build on the foundation that's already built because it's a solid foundation because they believe it's a solid foundation already as is. So they're retooling it instead of rebuilding, which is something that as a Bulls fan we would love to hear because we're sick of rebuilds. And then number two, mm-hmm. the fact that his player relationships is so strong and so respected across the league that especially with top tier free agents, you're talking about 2021 is supposed to be one of the biggest years with top tier free agents like Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo headlining the, the free agent pool. You know, that's, that's the year that Bulls have the most cap space right now. Yeah. So you're talking about potentially bringing top tier talent to Chicago, having a coach like Billy Donovan that's respected around the league amongst all top tier players that he has coached as well as like, you know, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, as of recent, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. These are all players that he's coached, and they all spoke yeah. highly of him as well as others around the league. I think that's the key component when it comes to the Bulls actually getting, actually getting invited to the table. They're getting invited to the top free agents' tables and actually having the ability for them to pitch their, you know, them to listen to their pitches. I think those are the two biggest components that are the most intriguing about this situation. What are your thoughts about what this hiring really can mean? for the Bulls. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those points. On the retooling point, uh, you heard Arturis Karnaschova say it. Um, in Billy Donovan's introductory press conference, he said verbatim, um, this roster, the talent on this roster, is too good to perform the way that they have the last two or three years. Um, so that, in, in and of itself, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, empty talk that can come with these types of press conferences, but there really does seem to be a sense that they are going to commit to trying to develop the talent on the roster and whatever happens, happens. Um, and they can move forward from there. Uh, on the free agent point, um, Billy Donovan's certainly a, a guy with uh, good cachet around the league. Uh, Arturis Karnaschovas is too. So who knows if that translates into um, one of those really upperest of upper echelon guys um, deciding to, you know, actually come to Chicago next summer or in, the, or in the near future. But to your point about getting invited to the table, I mean, this time last year, early on in this season – um, the Bulls were, I mean, you couldn't even project the Bulls getting a meeting with people like that. And you really couldn't. 
And I think that was um, a pretty harsh reality to deal with as a fan, as someone trying to be optimistic about the future of this franchise, because with all of the supplementary things that, that are positive about the Bulls and you hear Karnaschovas and Billy Donovan and all the new hires talk about it, you know, the city, the history, um, things, you know, material things like cap space, like high draft picks, um, like talent on the roster, you know, none of those things can, none of those things matter unless you have um, some level of respectability around the league and people trust that if they come into your building, you're going to put them in the best situation to succeed. Um, so I think all of the hires that they made this summer, you know, regardless of if it's, it puts them on the championship track immediately, I think there's still going to be a slow curve to this um, where, you know, they're not putting playoff expectations on themselves right now. I think a lot of people expect, myself included, that they'll be much closer to competing for a seven or eight seed um, type of position next year. Uh, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be in that conversation. I'm not ready to pick them at this point. we got to see how things shake out over the offseason and see when next season's even going to be. Um, but that certainly feels like uh, a reasonable expectation. And then you go from a situation where, you know, last summer your big free agent signings, Thad Young is one that I've spoken about um, a couple different times in different appearances I made the last few days. Um, you know, he is someone that, was, that, that came aboard to be the veteran presence, and within a month or two of his tenure – he was, you know, leaking displeasures uh, through the media in terms of his playing time, his opportunity, and things like that. And I think that was uh, a pretty harsh indicator of where the Bulls were in terms of um, the trust in players. Like, if you can't if, – if Thad Young, the consummate veteran, can't come in here and feel comfortable in his situation or feel like he trusts the organization to put him in the best situation to succeed, who can trust that? And you go from that to nine months later to be where we are right now, where we have, you know, the people in charge now – seem to be have the utmost respect from players around the league, have track records of developing talent. I mean, you mentioned the Florida years with Billy Donovan. Think of all the NBA stars that he was um, a huge part of their formational years, Bradley Beal, Joaquin Noah, um, the list goes on. Um, so there, there's that element. There's also the, the, the talent that he developed last year in Oklahoma City. Um, that was one of the youngest teams in the league outside of Chris Paul. Uh, so, you know, we'll see when the games actually start to get played, how it all translates. I think there's a valid critique of Donovan. Uh, that says maybe he's not um, enough of an X's and O's coach and in-game adjustments coach to get you to the championship level. I think that's what people um, kind of got on him for in OKC. But I think that's just a few bridges away from the Bulls. And if in two years we're talking about Billy Donovan in-game adjustments costing the Bulls a game in the playoffs, I think that'll be a pretty good problem to have considering where the Bulls have been the last three years because it'll mean they're in a, a much better position. Um, so I, I definitely agree with, uh, with those two points. Um, in terms of your takeaways. I also think another big takeaway that I have is um, I think it's really an indicator of how much they nailed the Arturis Karnaschovas hire because for him to be able to go to the most accomplished, um, highly achieving coach on the market in a market with, you know, jobs in Houston, jobs in uh, New Orleans, Indiana, uh, Philadelphia, like situations that roster wise have better rosters than the bulls right now have superstars uh, in all those situations really, except for Indiana um, for our tourists to be able to go in and pitch the best coaching candidate on the market um, in a way that steers him away from those jobs and to Chicago. Uh, it means that our tourists long-term vision is one that is easy to get on the bandwagon for, and he's an effective pitcher um, and that he just, you know, has the cachet around the league that people want to work with him. Um, so you couldn't ask for anything more in that respect you know, even in two or three years, if some familiar tropes in terms of in-game adjustments come around in terms of criticisms of Billy Donovan, uh, for now, I don't think there's any reason to be anything but optimistic. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Rob Schaefer. Rob, you actually um, 
we were supposed to be obviously meeting up a few days ago, but you know, since that press conference, yeah. you've been kind of hectic with the with the keypad and the typing and the writing. And you wrote a few yeah. articles, and on the one of the articles, you really talked about different ways that Donovan can truly, that Billy Donovan can truly help turn and improve this Bulls franchise. Go more in depth in your analysis as far as what were your thoughts and as far as ideas and things that Donovan can instantly do to help improve this Bulls franchise. For sure. Uh, well, there were four things I listed in that article, uh, and one of them that we've touched on is the kind of reputation around the league, and that could translate to free agent meetings, to bringing in other front office members, um, you know, draft considerations. Like, there's a lot of different ways that having solid organizational reputation around the league can help you. So that was one of the points I hit. We, we've touched on that. Um, in terms of some actual X's and O's, like strategic things that he can help with, uh, one thing I thought that stood out um, looking at his OKC team from last year specifically they were probably the best team in close games last year in the league. Um, they led the league in wins in clutch situations, quote unquote, uh, which NBA.com defines as being within five points uh, within five minutes or less to go in a game. Um, so they played the most games like that in the NBA and they won the most games. They were 29 and 13 um, in 42 of those games before the coronavirus kind of shut down the league for a couple months there. Um, the Bulls, interestingly, uh, were in the fourth most of those games in the league in terms of being within a five point margin down the stretch, like as poorly as the bulls played and performed and as poor as the results were this year, they were a competitive team that kept games close. And I think that actually made it all the more frustrating at times because there was this inability to really get over the hump, to close games out, to, to adjust within the flow of the game and really keep the, the pressure on opponents. Um, so Donovan comes from a situation where, uh, you know, the inverse is, um, that was one of the best teams in the league in actually converting in close games. The Bulls, I think while they were in the fourth uh, most uh, amount of those games, they had the fourth worst winning percentage in the NBA in those games. Um, so I think Donovan immediately helps there. Obviously, the Bulls don't have a Chris Paul like he had in Oklahoma City. I mean, that's one of the best closers in the history of the league. You're not going to be able to replicate that in Chicago, although I do think Zach Levine is a fairly clutch player, even if the numbers don't bear it out um, entirely. Um, I think if he's put in the right positions, he could certainly grow into an effective uh, closer in that role. Um, so I think coming from that background, I think just his acumen in terms of timeout usage, uh, drawn up out of timeout plays, just in having um, the team prepared to compete down the stretch of games and actually, you know, finish off these contests that they're so close in. Um, I think that'll be a major improvement because uh, I, just, you know, all the criticism of Jim Boylan, for, uh, um, I think one that is very fair is that um, his teams just didn't win close games. And I think a lot of that falls on him uh, in terms of the things I mentioned, timeout usage, um, drawn up out of timeout plays, just having the motivation there um, to really, you know, perform and execute down the stretch of those games. That just wasn't consistently there. Um, so that's one X's and O's thing I think he can help with. Uh, another thing is, and it's another, you know, the only thing we could compare him to is, is Jim Boylan. I think a theme of the Jim Boylan tenure is he implemented systems on offense and defense, and he did it with good intentions. He implemented the offensive system he implemented to try to bring the Bulls to having a more modern offense, to shoot more threes, to get more looks at the rim, to play a more up-tempo style, um, to kind of cut the mid-range out um, to a degree that is reasonable. Um, and he thought that that would maximize the talent on the roster. Um, it didn't. The style that they played um, didn't have good results. They were the second worst-rated offense in the NBA last year. Um, and they were a lot of key pieces regressed, Larry Markkinen being the most obvious one in terms of being an offensive player that didn't perform up to his potential last year. Um, I don't know how a Billy Donovan coached Bulls team will play. Uh, he says that he likes ball movement, player movement. He, want, he likes a kind of fluid, um, democratic offensive system where everybody's involved. 
So I'd imagine those principles uh, will be included in whatever play style they decide on. Um, but the thing that stood out to me most studying Billy Donovan coach teams is he really lets his players dictate the style of play um, that he eventually lands on. And I think that'll be another refreshing change in terms of he has really committed. He even said in the press conferences, um, Zach Levine has talked about this a little bit too. He has said that in the past, um, he has built his style of play in collaboration with his players, especially his best players. You saw that with Oklahoma City last year. Um, they were in the top half of shooting threes in the league two years ago. Last season, when your three best players are Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, and uh, Dennis Schroeder, um, they shot a ton of mid-range shots. They didn't play at a fast pace. They slowed the game down. They ran a lot of pick and roll in isolation, uh, which might not be traditionally, you know, with the times, quote-unquote, in terms of how a lot of modern offenses play. Um, but he decided to play that way because it suited his best players. Um, and the Thunder had a lot of success. You know, they would have – they were on a 50-win pace before the season shut down. Um, so – I think that adaptability, that ability to listen to your players, collaborate with your players and adjust on the fly to their needs. I think that's another thing that's really going to help the Bulls a lot. And I think you might see those pieces that stagnated or regressed, the Lowry Markinens, um, the Wendell Carters, if he can stay healthy, um, Otto Porter Jr., if he can stay healthy. I, I think you'll see uh, whatever the system ends up looking like, I think you will see a real intention from the head coaching seat to maximize each individual player by really listening to them and figuring out what, how they want to play. Um, so that'll be a change from how the bulls usually do business. The good news is um, there's kind of nowhere to go, but up in terms of the offensive uh, efficiency department. Um, so I, I just think all of those things help. Obviously the player development aspect we've touched on too. Um, I think the adaptability point goes into the player development point. He's shown an ability to um, really empower players and develop young guys um, so I think when you put all of that together, you know, maybe it's just that again, you know, on the heels of the Jim Boylan era, there's kind of nowhere to go it up, but I do think there are even early on some concrete areas that we can pinpoint, um, that Billy Donovan is really going to help this team. And, and those are what I think they are. I think for me, I'm really intrigued by who he will have as part of his coaching staff. Um, yeah. especially here in, in, in Chicago, a lot, uh, there's a lot of options he could go with. Um, and I think one of the options that was actually reported that he may even consider is somebody like a Mo Cheeks, who is a Chicago native. Chicago, baby. Yeah, that's great. Chicago, yeah, Chicago native. And he actually has experience coaching with Donovan in, in Oklahoma City Thunder with coaching those superstars. And those superstars do have a lot of respect for Mo Cheeks, even when he was at one time a head coach. So I'm intrigued as far as what, his, what, his, what is going to be his surrounding coaching pool going to be. Uh, from the staff perspective, has there been? Have you heard of maybe any type of discussion around the league as far as who he might consider bringing onto his staff? Yeah, I think it's early. Um, we did ask him about that in his introductory press conference. He said basically the only thing he was willing to say was that him and Arturis will be collaborating on it. Um, that's kind of the relationship that it seems like they'll have. It'll be a quote unquote partnership. Both of them use that word a lot. Um, they'll kind of be involved in making those decisions together. Uh, I think it's a little too early to go beyond speculation on that. I think the Mo Cheeks thing is, you know, educated speculation. It's something that makes a lot of sense for all the reasons that you said. Um, uh, the one thing I did think it was interesting that, that Billy said was um, that he's going to take into consideration heavily uh, the people already on Chicago staff. I, I think most, the, the two names that most people know um, the most are Chris Fleming and Roy Rogers, who were brought in uh, as part of Jim Boylan's staff um, last year. So I'll be interested to see what those decisions are, especially because Chris Fleming is running the Bulls uh, minicamp right now at the Advocate Center. He's kind of leading that. 
Um, he's someone that, again, even though the offense uh, didn't perform up to uh, even people's lowest expectations last year, he's someone that still garners a lot of respect around the league. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't think it would be destructive if, like, he got a chance to continue being the lead assistant. I, I don't think that would be um, the wrong call at all necessarily. Uh, I'll be interested to see what he does. I, I do think the, another thing that's important to note with the Donovan hire in terms of the money that it costs to get him and the money that it's, you know, um, reportedly cost to get Karnashovas and all these other pieces that are coming in to the Bulls franchise this offseason while they're still eating the last two years of Jim Boylan's contract. They paid Gar Foreman to leave. You know, there's all these aspects to it, especially in a pandemic where revenues are getting hit. Um, I think the one thing that we know for sure is if Donovan wants to go another direction with the coaching staff entirely and clean it out and bring in all of his own staff, um, it seems like the checkbook is open right now to the point that if him and Karnashovas are dead set on a plan and they can sell it to ownership. Um, it seems like that flexibility and that cooperation is there. Um, so there's another sign, um, you know, to be encouraged by if you're a Bulls fan, there's another thing um, that kind of bodes well about these hires and how they've played out is that it does seem like they will have the autonomy to do whatever they have to do there. Uh, so in terms of concrete names, I think it's early. Uh, Billy hasn't even been around the team yet. He's in Florida right now and he won't be at the Advocate Center workouts um, there's still a long off season ahead. Uh, when we get through the playoffs, there'll be obviously the draft in November. Um, it doesn't look like we're looking at a start for next season until early 2021. Um, so we got time to work that stuff out, but that's something I'll be watching closely too, because, um, it'll be interesting to see how much this is really created in their vision or how much they're willing to continue, uh, in terms of the staff decisions, what's been going on with the bulls. Um, that'll certainly be something to watch. Yeah, everybody listening right now, you're listening to NBC Sports Chicago Bulls writer Rob Schaefer. Um, Rob, I want to transition to the press conference because the press conference itself was very interesting to hear uh, from others that have been reporting on, um, you know, the introductory to Billy Donovan. And I think one of the things that stuck out to me from what I was hearing was the fact that Billy openly said what, what took what brought him to Chicago was the fact that Arturis made it known he wants a partnership. And yeah. that's something that oftentimes is important, but, often, but sometimes overlooked when it comes to the relationship of the front office and the coach and trying to develop the best team possible. And for our tourists to come out and say, I need a partnership with the guy, even if I don't know the person, he, if I believe he's a good fit, I want to build this relationship to where we can work together and get the best results out of the options that we can get then that's, that's the automatic bullseye. It, it's, it runs away from the mom and pop operation. You know, mom and dad pop operation where you just do what as I say and everything goes. You know what I'm saying? That's a, diff, that's a change that's really important that the, for the bulls to have. From, obviously, you mentioned you, were, you, were, you listened in on the, on the press conference and things of that sort. What were some of the components that really stuck out to you that – gave you that sign okay that, that gave you that sign that the bulls are serious now like this is the real deal that they're really stepping into yeah the partnership thing uh, was huge that was a huge theme and through line that kind of threaded uh the entire press conference i thought that was hugely significant i thought it was hugely significant that both of them acknowledged we didn't know each other going into this interview process i think it's so commonplace for new executives to fall into that quote unquote it's who you know um kind of mentality when you're looking for new hires like this um, but I think it's just a really good sign, like, again, to, for those two to not have actually directly met before, but to have hit it off to the point that both of them are talking, really, with, the, with all the partnership talk, they were talking like they're lifelong friends, um, and that they're, you know, excited to go on this endeavor together. 
um, at long last, but really they, they just met. Um, that stood out to me uh, as hugely significant, especially because if you look at Karnaschovas' past situation in Denver, uh, where they obviously have had a lot of success, it was a similar kind of relationship from everything that uh, Michael Malone has said, uh, the head coach of the Nuggets, and everything Karnaschovas and Tim Connolly have said, where um, that synergy, that collaboration, that, um, that being on the same page between the front office and the coaching staff, um, I think the fact that that, is, that that was a wide open collaborative process in Denver and that worked uh, bodes well for the Bulls if they're going to go down um, a similar path. So I think that stood out. Um, you know, we've touched on the adaptability theme, just the how seriously Billy Donovan takes player development and how much he's really going to factor in his players' needs and desires into, you know, forming game plans and building strategies for how this team's going to move forward. Um, I think that really stood out as something fundamental to his uh, philosophy and another break from the Bulls' um, recent past. Uh, so that stood out. Um, and again, I, I, I just think it can't be overstated. Um, the fact that Arturis Karnaschov is in a, in a market full of desirable head coaching vacancies. He saw the man that he wanted as soon as he became available. Karnaschov said that he didn't think Billy Donovan was going to become available, but once he did, he was on the phone with him the next day. He was down in Florida meeting with him for five or six hours um, the next week. And then the week after that, he's, he's the head coach. So it just shows you that there is kind of um, a weird allure. There's a magnetism back to the Bulls. This is an organization that people of high stature and high respect actually want to be a part of. Um, so I think to be able to combine the, the actual people working in the organization with the brand's history um, is huge. So those things all uh, stuck out to me. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes. I guess another thing that stuck out to me, uh, Billy Donovan says he's still in touch with Joe King Noah. I know a lot of people are hoping for that reunion. I think that'd be awesome to see, especially someone covering the team. I, you know, I'd love to cover Joe. I'd love for him to be back in town um, in the Udonis, quote unquote, Udonis Haslam role. I mean, that'd be a lot of, that'd be tremendous fun. Um, but it does, you know, it just goes to show that um, there's just a lot of goodwill around the organization right now. Like little fun storylines like that are, are popping up. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Those are the things that, that stuck out to me. You mentioned Joe Kim Noah and players that, you know, have wide respect for uh, Coach Donovan that especially have that played for him. You know, we all know Joe Kim Noah, even though he's a, a huge uh, figure in the, within the Bulls franchise. He played for Billy Donovan in Florida. Another name that comes up is Bradley Beal. He played for him at Florida. Bradley Beal doesn't have an option to opt out of his contract after this season. Thank you, I, know, I know we got Zach Levine. I love Zach. You know, that's my guy. I wouldn't want him to go anywhere. But when I talk about superstar talent that you know can get the job done like Bradley Beal can do in a way that he can do it, I mean, is this something the Bulls really consider, especially now that you potentially got AD coming in next year, coming in the free agency next year? You got Giannis potentially coming in, coming in the free agency next year. Like the next year free agency pool is going to be pretty, pretty, uh, it's, pre it's going to be pretty full. So with top tier yeah. talent, so do you consider bringing in those type of guys, especially if they already have a previous relationship with Billy Donovan? Do the Bulls really take that extra leap there? Or do you just let Donovan play things out and just see where it goes? I'll be interested to see because, you know, I think it's hard not to dream of that stuff. And actually now the Bulls, who have just weirdly have just never been a free agent destination and like really not even close. So it feels weird to be able to dream of that kind of stuff. Um, I certainly think, you know, it has to be on your radar. I mean, any uh, high profile player and they'll have the cap flexibility to do it. Um, that has to be something that's in the, the calculus uh, to some degree, even off to the side. But I'll be interested to see because um, 
you know, Arturis Karnaschovas, the front office he was a part of in Denver, really built that team through the draft. Uh, and the biggest free agent on that team uh, is Paul Millsap. And he was like, I think the, um, the biggest in terms of salary free agent signing in Denver Nuggets history. Uh, so I, I think that's notable in terms of the cachet they were able to build around the Nuggets organization. Uh, but I'll be interested to see how much the free agent aspect is a focus uh, because Karnaschovas' history is building through the draft, is developing talent, kind of finding it, developing it, retaining it. Um, I'll be interested to see because that has been his strategy. And I think it's, um, if you can nail that strategy, it's the most sustainable over the long term. Um, but now that he's in a market like Chicago and he has all these big market resources and he has this um, kind of timeless, global, iconic brand behind him, I do wonder if he kind of rubs his hands together and he's like, well, I know, I know that I could do this this way, but at the same time, like I could really speed this process up. I could really expedite this. I could really augment the moves that I'm making everywhere else um, by going after big fish and free agency. Uh, I'll be interested to see. I'm not ready to, to say that um, the Bulls are number one on any of these guys' lists yet. I think next season is going to be huge in that respect, the same way that I thought this year was huge in that respect, because I think to be able to attract those free agents – you see what Brooklyn did two years ago. You have to have that year where you show that you're able to develop young talent, that you have an intriguing roster, that the only thing they're missing is the last superstar piece. Um, so a team like the Nets, a team like the Clippers, it obviously flamed out. Uh, but the, what those two teams were able to do in their summer, in their years before the big free agency summers, um, you know, making that run, being a team that is widely considered to have a lot of potential, then you could get in the door for those free agents. So. Um, I, I'm not willing to to uh, to let myself get too uh, too many steps ahead of myself uh, for that yet. But I, I do think this season you really are going to want to see a 10 to 15 game improvement in the wing column. You're going to want to see a run at the eighth seed, and even like the Clippers, if you can you know show that you could be even competitive in a playoff format. Um, I mean, those things to me will go much further of a way towards actually assuring superstars that hey, I can come here and succeed. Um, than the Billy Donovan thing on its own. The Billy Donovan thing and the Arturis Karnaschovas thing, those are two great first steps, but there is still um, the matter of translating it to the court. Because uh, at the end of the day, the biggest factor for all, anybody who fancies themselves a superstar in the league is going to be winning, especially a guy like Bradley Beal, um, who, you know, he's been uh, to the second round in his career, I think. But, like, he's a guy that's just too good to not, um, you know, be playing deep into the playoffs in the prime of his career. So that's going to be the, the top consideration in his mind. So at the end of the day, they're just going to have to come out and show market improvement um, actually on the court this year. Uh, I, I don't see why there's no confidence that they, um, that they couldn't do it. I think they certainly could. Uh, but we just have a little bit of a wait to see uh, what that actually looks like. I think we also cannot dismiss the hiring of Mark Eversley and his connection with Nike. That's going to be huge. Absolutely. All the, a lot of top-tier talent are, you know, connected to Nike in some way, shape, or form. And, the fact that he Absolutely. has those connections and those relationships, I don't know, it could play a role, especially if you talk about maybe just learning Anthony Davis from a ch potential championship team with the Lakers to come back home. That, that, that might be Absolutely. a big deal. But transitioning from that component that you mentioned to winning on the court, they did start voluntary mm -hmm. workouts this uh, past week. Um, you know, players have come out to get their, get their reps in since they weren't able to participate in any way, shape, or form over the offseason with the bubble. So – my question is, for you is, since they started, you know, sort of doing voluntary workouts to get back to the swing of things, who would you want to see have that, that blossoming impact, that huge game leap 
from one year to the next, like as we prepare for next year, who do you think that guy would be? Obviously for me, I really hope it is Kobe White to take that additional next step, especially when you talk about the point guard role itself, um, growing into the point guard that we have, that we know he has the potential to be instead of just being a scoring point guard. Um, I'm hoping he can take that next level to put, so we can have a more consistent backcourt with him and Zach Levine, which thrived very well, especially in the second half of the season last year. But in your opinion, who's someone that you're looking at that you're hoping could take that next step next year? I think it's one A one. I think it's one A one B. I think Kobe would certainly be one of those two that I would say tied for first for all the reasons you said. Um, if he's going to be the starting point guard next to Zach Levine, um, and they both know this, they both say this. This is these are words straight out of their mouth. They both know that um, they just have to be better in terms of playmaking, in terms of getting other guys involved, in terms of being that facilitator at the lead guard spot and being on ball. Um, so I would love to see Kobe take that next step um, next year. That's one thing I would be looking out for. You mentioned him and Zach as a backcourt thriving at the end of last year. I mean, they love playing together. They both say it repeatedly. The problem is, you know, by the time Kobe finally got his first start, Zach was out with a quad injury, season ends the next night. So it's just, I, I mean, these are the things that seemed in the past era of Bulls basketball just seemed to always happen. It's like lightning strikes this team five or six different times throughout a season, you know? So, so Kobe, for all those reasons, is one that I have an eye on. Um, but I, I think the first name that actually came to mind uh, when you asked that question is, is Lowry Markkinen. Um, in a contract year, um, in, after a season that really, I mean, after such a promising first two years, and especially in his second season, the, that month of February that he had, um, so, so much optimism, especially as a one-two punch um, with Zach exiting last season. Um, just such an underwhelming and disappointing third year. I don't think anyone would dispute that, even Lowry. I, I, I'm sure that he's been kind of grinding and, and preparing for next year um, as hard as anyone. Um, he's the guy, uh, especially considering that when Arturis Karnaschovas was hired, he pinpointed Lowry, Mark Eversley did too. They both pinpointed Lowry as a guy that they needed to get the bottom of why that next step didn't happen for him next year and to make sure that he's in the position to do it um, in his fourth season. So I think for his sake, because he's in a contract year, for the Bulls' sake, because they've invested a top 10 pick in him and he has showed the potential um, to be possibly that foundational guy down the road. I think for both parties, this season is going to really um, say a lot in terms of what his future is going to be with the team, what his future is going to be in the league. Um, so I, I think that is the guy that I really am watching uh, the closest going into next year. Um, there's, you know, there's ancillary guys too, I think, but mostly it's a health concern for a lot of these side guys like Wendell Carter Jr. I actually don't want to paint him as a side guy because I think he's, to me, he's maybe the one, uh, the member of the core that I'm highest on in terms of his two-way impact. Um, but for him, I think I, I trust that progression to continue for him, especially under a guy like Billy Donovan, who we've talked about has developed guys like Joakim Noah, Al Horford, the exact type of big man that Wendell Carter Jr. has the potential to be. Um, I think for him, it's just a matter of staying healthy. For a guy like Chandler Hutchison, who showed flashes last year, it's just a matter of staying healthy. Otto Porter Jr., same thing. Um, but in terms of actually uh, showing that they can blossom in these mini camps and carrying that momentum in the next year, uh, Lowry, Lowry is the guy. Lowry is the guy for me, for sure. Well, one thing that we do know that AK is very known for is developing talent through the draft. And mm -hmm. the Bulls do have a top four pick this year, which is the first time in a long time since Derrick Rose, most likely, that we've had a top four pick. We've been stuck at seven for the past three years. <laughs> so for us to get out of that fourth, out of that seventh pick and move up in the draft to the fourth pick, um, it's, 
it's, I actually think it's a kind of a tough position because especially with this draft, you pretty much have three main guys that are like ideal top three you have to go with. After that, yeah. it's really up in the air. And the Bulls, with them being that fourth pick, you, want, you have to wonder whether they're actually going to stay there, whether they're going to trade up or trade down or utilize it to get a top-tier quality veteran type of player. You know, there's the, the, endless options for the Bulls to really pursue. And at least from what I've heard from reporting is the fact that one of the guys that they've looked at at that number four spot is um, Denny. And I keep, I can't, I have a hard time pronouncing his last name, so forgive me for that. But I think it's, I think it's Avia, Avia. Yeah, Avia, Avia, yeah. Um, I just call him Denny for, you know, for, for sure. But Denny is a guy where, yeah, yeah Denny's a guy that it seems, at least from a European perspective, can fit what Arturis is looking for. Um, but many yeah. questions, do you really want to spend a whole fourth pick on that? You know, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Is he, is that, is it that, is he worth that high of a pick? So in your opinion, if you're Arturis Karnisovic, what would you actually really consider doing for the fourth, with the fourth pick? Do you consider going with that option? Do you go, consider going with Obi, who was another guy, the guy from Dayton that people have mentioned? Do you maybe potentially move up to get like a James Wiseman or maybe a Lomelo Ball? Having your backcourt with Zach Levine, which I think would be actually very intriguing, especially if you have Kobe White still coming as a, as a backup point guard off the bench. So what yeah. option, if, if you're Arturo, what you, would you be really looking at with that fourth pick? Well, I agree with you in terms of being high on LaMelo and his fit with this team, because I just think a, a back or a three guard lineup configuration of him, Kobe and Zach would just be so interesting offensively, uh, especially if utilized, um, you know, in the most efficient way. Uh, so I, I don't know if Lamella falls to four. It, like you said, it, it kind of reminds me, not in terms of the quality of the draft itself, but it kind of reminds me of last year's in the sense of, okay, you have Zion and you have Ja, and then after that, it's kind of just anybody's guess in terms of who you're taking for the rest of the top ten. It reminds me of that this year with uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, Lamelo, and um, and James Wiseman. Um, I, I think Denny fits the style that Arturis Karnaschova seems to prefer he fits a lot of the Bulls' needs in terms of – I think their biggest need – I don't know if it has to come from one specific position, but I just think their biggest need is playmaking, passing, facilitating, being able to set guys up. Because you look at a lot of the guys on this team, I think Lowry and I think Zach Levine, Kobe White, and Wendell Carter Jr., I think they all fall into a category of being really good play finishers, but not all of them – except Wendell has shown flashes of passing that I think could be explored a little bit more. Um, but there isn't – none of them really – seem to be that prototypical lead initiator that's going to, you know, connect an entire offense. I think guys like Denny, LaMelo, uh, even a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, Killian Hayes is a guy that a lot of smart draft people have brought up as being intriguing at that spot. Maybe he's a little bit of a reach. Um, but the more you watch him, I mean, the more I watch of him, at least the more I love him. Um, I, I think that's the biggest area of need. If I'm Arturis Karnaschovas, I don't know if I'd go through with it, but I would probably explore every avenue of, um, possibly looking to trade down. I, I just think that is uh, could be a really prudent move in what many consider a weak draft class. What is the big difference between, like, let's say you take a team like the Knicks who maybe wants to make the big splash and turn things around quickly. You know, if you move back to number eight and you pick up an asset or two for the future and, you know, at number eight, you're still looking at a guy like Devin Vassell. Um, you could even get a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, maybe even Killian Hayes there. I just think the once you get out of that top three, the prospects from four to ten, um, I think any of them can help the Bulls in their own specific way. Um, so for me, 
I think if they traded down, it, it would be something that um, could be a really prudent move. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it really, it's anyone's guess at this point. The combine actually starts, as we're taping this on a Sunday, the combine actually starts tomorrow. So we'll start to get some official measurements in. We'll start to see, um, hopefully we can get a glimpse into how these guys actually look in workouts, what they've been working on um, in the hiatus, what their thought process is, what teams they've been talking to, because um, teams have been able to do virtual interviews. That could give us an indicator in terms of um, what uh, what different teams' interest patterns are. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I think the, I think, any option is on the table for them because Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley at each of their past stops have shown a willingness to trade up, down, trade out, um, take the best talent available, uh, even if it causes a log jam. Um, so really nothing would surprise me. Um, if I'm in their seat, I'm glad I'm not in their seat, actually, because I have no idea what I would do. There's so many different options on the table. Uh, but trading down to me is something that I think um, could make sense. I also think just snagging a guy, a playmaking guy like a Denny or a Killian, um, or if he falls a LaMelo, just makes too much sense. Um, just when you consider that, it seems like the thing that this roster is missing is just that one piece that kind of ties all the talent together. It seems like it's just a lot of individual talent that needs that connective tissue. Um, and Billy Donovan seems to be a good coach to strategize how they could do that. Um, and this draft offers an intriguing opportunity to get a player that could help uh, along that path too. What are your thoughts on R.J. Hampton? I think they believe – I think it's been reported that the Bulls have interviewed R.J. Hampton already. I did um, see that, yeah. Yeah, so what do you think about R.J. Hampton as, you know, the scoring point guard that he can be in him – and he's played, you know, in the same league as LaMelo Ball did coming out of high school without going – you know, playing professional overseas basketball that way. He was a top-tier talent that, over, that skipped college to go pro oh, yeah. uh, overseas. So what do you think about his skill set and how it could potentially fit the Bulls as well? Yeah, a, a great athlete. Um, I think widely considered a little bit raw in terms of um, his shooting. I think that's a question mark, as it is with a lot of these guys. I mean, we didn't really get into the red flags, but a guy like Denny has big red flags on, on his jump shot. So does Lamelo. Um, you know, in a draft that's widely considered pretty weak, everyone's going to have red flags, right? Um, RJ is intriguing. I, I think his stock really slipped this year because, you know, statistically, uh, you know, by the numbers, he just didn't have that great of a season overseas. I'm not going to hold that super hard against him uh, because he was playing in a professional league. And although LaMelo put up better numbers, RJ was on a better uh, actual team. He was in a better, you know, a more competitive team within that league. Um, so a little bit harder to get reps, a little bit harder to, to really make the big splash impact that maybe he has the potential to. Um, at four, he'd be a little bit of a reach for me if I'm the Bulls. Um, now in a scenario where you trade back, like, I think I even saw this floating around Twitter the other day, not reported, but just kind of trade ideas that people were shooting around. Like uh, the Celtics have multiple first round picks. Like let's say you traded back to really the back part of the lottery and you're in the 10 to 15 range. Then is a guy like that worth the swing? Absolutely. I would think um, because you just can't argue with um, that top 10 coming out of high school, a really highly recruited talent that people just thought this guy's going to make an impact in the league. Um, worth noting is that Arturis Karnaschovas uh, took a guy pretty similar to that, Emmanuel Moutier, um, who foregoed uh, NCAA play, and he went over and played in China. And it hurt his stock in terms of people thinking he was going to be um, a top two or three pick. He ended up going seventh to Denver. Um, so I don't know if that means anything, but it just shows that Arturis Karnaschovas, if he sees the talent there, um, he's going to pounce on it. Um, and, you know, it seems like the Nuggets have uh, swung and connected there more times than swung and missed. Uh, so, you know, RJ at four might be a little bit of a reach to me. 
uh, if they trade back as he an option, maybe. Um, I think he comes with athletic tools that maybe are a little bit better than some of the guys ahead of him, but also the weaknesses are the, I, I, I don't like the word weaknesses, but the improvement areas, the, the things that people think he needs to improve to reach that next level. Um, there's a few more of those than some guys ahead of him too. So it's just a tough calculation. It just shows you how unpredictable this class is really. Well, obviously we're not AK, so we ain't got to worry about that. But AK and thank God, man, I just I just get to criticize him for whatever he does. I just get to nitpick <laughs> and analyze. That's that's what I'm meant to do. That's what I was born to do. Not not actually make the big decisions. So right. And AK, but AK has been proven that you know he he when he spots like you mentioned when he spots good talent he'll take it and not just out of he'll develop it. If you see what he did in Denver, you see exactly what huh. what that looks like. So um, and AK we trust when it comes to this draft process and building this team together. Well, that being said, though, Rob, what you got coming up, man? I know you've been a busy guy, you know, writing all these Bulls articles and doing a heck of a job on the Bulls Talks podcast with Casey Johnson Shut and up. Jason Goff and those guys. Man, you're doing a great job over there with them. But what, what, what you got coming up for our audience to pay, to pay attention and tune into? Yeah, so with the, uh, with the coach hire out of the way, that was a, um, that was a big temple for us. Uh, we're just going to be driving or diving into um, – off-season stuff over the next couple of weeks. Uh, like I said, the combine starts tomorrow. Uh, so we'll get a chance to actually um, hear from and talk to some of these prospects. I, I think some interesting stuff could come out of there. Um, so we'll just be in full draft mode uh, over at NBC Sports Chicago um, and on the Bulls Talk podcast for uh, the next couple of weeks and months. Um, probably some free agency talk too, as we kind of, now that the Bulls have a coach, it's a little bit easier to, um, to project what they might be interested in as we kind of figure out what the style of play might be, things like that. Um, and we'll be tracking the bulls are in this mini camp for another two weeks. Um, so, or a week and a half, something along those lines. So, uh, we'll be tracking that and talking to guys, um, hopefully pretty regularly out of there, uh, see how guys look, uh, see how guys are progressing and just see the chemistry and the camaraderie being built. I think that's always a good thing too. So, um, those are all the big bull storylines to hit. We'll be all over those. Uh, like you said, bull stock podcast, NBC sports, Chicago.com. Um, I'm over on Twitter at, uh, at Rob underscore Schaefe. Um, so that's a good place to be checking any of that stuff out too. But, um, you know, for a time when the Bulls haven't played in six months, uh, there's a lot going on, it seems like. So, you know, grateful for that. Um, grateful as we're taping this, I think uh, Celtics Heat just at halftime. Uh, Jimmy Butler might be in the finals by the end of tonight. Um, you know, I don't want to jinx anything there, but uh, that'll certainly have uh, a lot of Bulls ramifications too in terms of uh, things to talk about and break down and relitigate, uh, especially as the Bulls rebuild kind of, tries to get back on track that started with the Jimmy Butler trade. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, you wouldn't think it, but there's a ton going on in Bulls world right now. So excited about that. Yeah, we're excited, and we're excited to follow what you, uh, you guys are going to be putting out there. Um, I know I'd be paying attention, and you guys are doing a lot of great work over there. So continue to keep up the good work. Uh, everybody Appreciate listening that. right now, you can uh, follow my social media on Instagram at that guy, Josh Hicks, and on Twitter at jhicks042 for more of the latest content, sports, all, all things sports as well, especially within the NBA. Because like, like you just mentioned, Rob, we may have a LeBron versus Jimmy Butler's finals. And I am Oof. very excited Oof. for that. <laughs> that'll, oh, be a, that'll be amazing. Who would have thought that Jimmy Butler left the Bulls to go to the finals? Like, yeah, yikes. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm excited for that. I hope that continues to uh, comes into fruition. And – Rob, continue to stay safe out there during this pandemic. Continue to you do you too, good, man. good work within this reporting. 
And thank you for coming back on the on the show. We really appreciate it, giving us all the insight on the Bulls. Looking forward to keeping in touch soon. And you know, as we prepare for um, the draft and you know free agency and everything, we'd love to have you come come back on and talk about what the Bulls are thinking. Anytime, man. Just hit my line. Anytime. Appreciate you having me on. Problem, man. You have a good time. You have a good rest of your evening. You too. All right. You too. And stay safe, 100%. Yes, sir. You too.